cheering. Hey guys, we're just waiting a couple of minutes for the octopus team to show up and then we're gonna start. Yeah, we also have same deal five near uh AMA contest as always, so no, let me pin up this tweet so you guys can retweet it, show it to more people. Okay, so you guys see the pin tweet? That's the one you need to retweet if you want to participate and win five near. Also, you know, ask questions while we're there. I'm going to keep track of who I'm going to ask first so we can go in the right order. I see Luana is here. Luana, are you participating in the AMA today with the Octopus team or is it going to be the other guys? Because they're late. Hey. <laughs> Hey, Luana, what's up? How are you? Okay, so Sheldon is 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 going to be logging in right now. He is right there. How are you guys? <laughs> good, good. Thank you for coming up. Are you going to be also like uh, participating in AMA with them? I think Sheldon is going to be like giving you all the you know development status updates. Any any type of this, I can support. I'm going to be the support if in any case there's anything. You know, establish for me. <laughs> Got it. But you're more on the marketing side, right? Yes. You know, it's actually a very interesting topic. I was talking about um, Octopus Network with someone from Neuro Foundation and about how you guys, you know, have this uh, octopus mascot, even though you're very technical company, right? You're not really oriented for like a normal user. You work, you do like the, what's it called, like the parachains and all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, and they still, are. Too. And still, you know, you have this uh, very kind of accessible to people, like this little octopus. <laughs> as yeah, it, it, it was it was like the it was it was so funny how like everybody saw it and in Nearcon and everybody wanted it. <laughs> like, uh, that means everybody it's a great marketing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's the pretty mascot. We, we are thinking to make it in different colors. Just to so we can, you know, add more diversity in the tiny little octopuses. <laughs> but uh, here is, I think Sheldon is right here. Um, and I'm so excited. I'm so excited to see this, you know, happening with the community. Hey guys, sorry to be late. Hey, no, it's okay. You're just like one minute late. I had to internet, entertain a few people by myself, but thank God Lorna <laughs> showed up and saved me. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, let's get going. Sheldon, what's up? Nice to meet you. Um, while we're still waiting for more people, can you maybe briefly talk uh, about your background, maybe like your team, how you guys ended up building this beautiful product on near blockchain and where are you coming from? Sure. So I'll do the, <clears throat> the super short intro about me and then the slightly short intro about Octopus. So I come from a network engineering background. Um, I went to school for music composition and being in corporate IT, it's the kind of thing that really makes you think about 
the management of keys. You know, public and private keys are, are something that we're used to today. But, you know, 10 years ago, that wasn't something that was talked about very frequently. It was one of the more like mysterious and uncomfortable parts of Bitcoin, right? So I ended up um, doing a, a security engagement where someone was trying to maliciously mine Bitcoin and Monero at a corporate franchise. I can't say which one. But um, we had to, to learn how to get them out of the network because they weren't supposed to be on those computers mining Bitcoin. And it made me remember, wait a minute, there's this thing. Oh, wow, this is alive and well. This works. And I was, oh, since like late 2013, early 2014, I really have not gotten off the gas pedal. So that's just, uh, that's me in the, the sense that I've been, you know, participating in crypto as a researcher and helping out and doing things. But um, Octopus was the first project where I stepped in completely to, you know, a full-time role. Um, other than that, I really only did consulting or, you know, contractual stuff. So Octopus itself has its start before I got in. So that is with the um, research organization CDOT. Basically, this group is the uh, core team and the dev team at Octopus Network. Um, they were teaching Rust in China and teaching Substrate before it was real popular when um, you know, Parity was still working in kind of a conceptual model of, hey, this is great, it can work, you know, we're going to launch into production soon. So our team helped really push that around and that led to a whole bunch of discoveries like, hey, IBC is a great pairing for this modular tech stack. You know, so the research started coming together and saying, okay, there's different things that we can do. Do we want to start our own project? Eventually the answer was yes. The next question to go between uh, CDOT and Octopus Network is where should this thing live? And there was a, a pretty careful selection process. And, um, you know, the founders and the dev team engaged with Ilya and the near team and said, hey, we, we want to call you guys home. What do you think? And near said, OK, we'll invest. And also, you know, we'd, we'd like to help you build this because this is a cool concept. So that's basically the, the model that we've been in since, um, let's say, what was it, February, I think, of 2021. I, ju I, don't, uh, I joined in June. No, sorry. I heard about it first in June. I joined in uh, August of 2021, and I went full-time earlier this year. So it's still just a, a really interesting mission to say, hey, we specifically want to do this for the little guy. We're specifically building a concept that's designed for crypto startups with their own chain. So that just, like, that initially got me hooked, and I started picking through more of the details and design from Lewis and Julian, and I was like, yeah, I really want to be a part of this. So it's, it's been a heck of a journey. Well, thank you. That's a really cool story. And, uh, you know, I feel like this Octopus AMA has been long due because you guys are such a technical project that I believe, you know, uh, a lot of people probably don't really understand, including me, to be honest, like to the very <laughs> core, what exactly you guys are doing. But at the same time, you have such a big presence in the near space that everybody knows about you. But I think like not that many people really understand what exactly are you doing because, you know, it's kind of very technical, to be honest, right? Fair. Um, but that was a great intro. It opened up kind of a lot of more understanding for me. Uh, can we also hear Luana talk a little bit about herself, where she comes from? And I mean, she's also part of Octopus Team, right? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, go so, I'm, so, I mean, I, I am... Based in Miami, I was living in New York. I have been in marketing. Uh, that's actually one of my, you know, my bachelor's um, since 2009. Um, and I've been growing in the Web2 environment. And after 2018, when it's that I 
you know, enter into crypto as an investor. I started understanding also blockchain. Uh, I graduated as a full stack developer in 2020. And then after that, I just, you know, kind of like went into a deep dive into what blockchain means and how important it is for our community. Um, I started working in, um, in Octopus in 2021. And since then, I've been trying to implement, you know, different Web3 uh, strategies, marketing strategies um, on it. And yeah, that's, that's kind of my background on it. All right, thank you. And you know, before Sheldon, before you showed up, I was talking to Lon that I've heard a lot of people compliment complimenting um, your guys' marketing and like this mascot that you have that it works really good. And you know, indeed, it's a really cute one. But uh, yeah, let's get uh, more into the actual protocol itself. So you kind of gave us a brief overview, but I think we can go much deeper. And you know, maybe for like, I know there are a lot of people here who are very good, like, developers and stuff that I see in the audience, but I'm sure there are a lot of people who are more, like, non-technical, like me, and hopefully we can give them more insight, but what happened? We got Sheldon dropped down from speakers. He still appears as a speaker for me. Oh, really? Maybe it's just from my side. Sheldon, can you talk? I think he's, he doesn't sound, he doesn't have any sound. Let me, let me see. He's going back. Uh, yeah, yeah, we still see <laughs> yeah, yeah. All good. Okay. So uh, here's a question I have. You know, uh, I only understand multi-chain kind of like on the surface level. Like I understand what it is. I might not really understand deeply like on a technical level what exactly it does. But, um, you know, before Octopus, I've only seen multi-chain uh, as a like like as a structure for like a layer one, right? Like, or layer zero, if you want to call it, as we see like Polkadot or Cosmos. I've never seen this concept of like a multi-chain network being built not as a separate blockchain, but on top of already existing blockchain. Uh, Can you kind of dive deeper into this and explain like how it works? Why did you guys decide to build on top of an existing blockchain versus just building your own uh, like multi-chain network like Polkadot or Cosmos? Sure. So that, that's a loaded question. Let me unpack just a little bit because that's, that's a solid question. Um, and number one, 100% agree with you. I'm pretty sure there isn't another model out there that does this, you know, building a layer zero on top of a layer one. I've, I've had trouble sort of explaining this because it is confusing to, to think about. So I can tell you that part of the mentality and design is to be more like a software services provider where you're utilizing an existing software platform to provide new software to other platforms It in some ways describes middleware, but also it is different from the regular um, relationships that are uh, applied or implied when you use the phrase multi-chain. So today, when you think about like Cosmos as an ecosystem, Polkadot as an ecosystem, you generally think about them communicating with each other with protocols that they already understand because of their base tech stack, right? In Octopus, our model was to say, okay, we want to take advantage of NIR's capabilities as a layer one, both in the sense of Uh, Serving liquidity as an adjacent place of TVL and as a a technology stack with very, very stable Rust smart contracts. We wanted to say that that is a useful solution for more than just contracts, right? So we say that, okay, these contracts can interoperate together in the way that we need to make this service happen. And that effectively replaces the Gravity Dex, which is the, the hub in Cosmos. 
it replaces the relay chain, which is the sort of virtual machines between parachains and Polkadot. It's, it's not to say that the only thing that these independent chains need is near. It's that we're making them dependent on near in order to offer them services at a really, really steep discount, which is great for startups. So the, the like last cherry on the cake I have to give you about this concept is that usually in multi-chain, you are talking about this sort of build your own chain and then build other people's structures around it. You've already heard some of the details in, in why we've done this, but at a uh, mechanical level, it means that as long as we have a, a reasonably safe gas model that we can pace ourselves against, it's much more um, efficient for us. Instead of trying to run massive servers ourselves, we just participate in this already efficient system to help these other chains have services. Those chains are application specific. They're app chains. They're dependent on near for connectivity and services where we've covered that. But the way that that works is a little bit more like AVAX than it is like Cosmos, because in Cosmos, chains can disconnect from each other. They can connect to the hub or not. In Octopus Network, you start connected to near protocol and you have the optionality of taking IBC over to another ecosystem or to another app chain. So it is a different model, but we usually leave out multi-chain of app chains because that's confusing. But it, that, that does kind of like color in some of the gap there. Wait, can you repeat that last part? So you can take a, like an app chain that you on Octopus Network and uh, is somehow going to be interoperable on another blockchain too, not just on Near. Yeah, absolutely. So out of the box today, you are compatible with Cosmos if you are an Octopus Network app chain. That doesn't mean that it's easy to implement IBC. It's still kind of a pain. So we're working on a toolkit to make that easier, and I'm supposed to be teaching a couple of workshops about it. So that model of connecting from uh, an app chain and Octopus Network to anywhere you want, by default, when that's not near, it's IBC. Are there other ways that can be done? Yes. For example, Fuzital developed their own independent technology to reconnect with near. So on the one hand, we are making sure that each app chain in our ecosystem comes online with the bridge to near on day one. But they do have their own ability to control relationships with, you know, other partners. Today, that's just IBC. We look forward to expanding that uh, next year. But that's a sort of secret roadmap item. It's not quite added yet. I see. And uh, do you guys rely for, like, security and validators? Do you use NIR? Like, you run on top of NIR in that sense? So this is uh, an also an interesting question because you can argue that the security for each of the app chains comes from their independent validators, but those validators are using a software stack that's already validated as stable versions in Polkadot ecosystem. So there's the, um, there's the capital-oriented security, which is staking. There's the software security itself, which is just substrate existing in production over time. But if you think about how those things are dependent on near and the way I just described with liquidity and interoperability services, that means that the security of Octopus Network has a bottom line, and it is the validators of near. So app chains in the ecosystem do have their own validators. They are substrate. They're not uh, near validators. But at the end of the day, they are indirectly dependent on the security of near protocol validators. Okay. I'm going to ask a very, it's going to sound so, like super stupid question, but I hope I'm not the only one who wants no, to know it. Okay. <laughs> like I've, I've heard the word a lot and I, like, you know, I think I understand it, but I want to hear it from you because you definitely have like way better understanding. Like, what exactly is substrate? Very, very fair question. I do not mean to buzzword our audience. So, um, substrate is the underlying technology in Polkadot ecosystem. Polkadot and Kusama both use the same technology stack 
and it is the product maintained by Parity. So Parity is the institution above Polkadot ecosystem. So the idea originally was that this chain structure is so flexible and so useful that we can use it to create an ecosystem of chains where they are all sort of from the same template. Um, Substrate has been in existence for long enough that people have developed other integrations, not just the IBC integration that we've produced and that we were uh, granted to work on. But that's why it's uh, become such a thing in, in Polkadot is that both the relay chain and parachains are made of substrate. The same is true in, on the Kusama side. So um, there are independent ecosystems outside of Polkadot, like Threefold and Saito, that are just substrate chains. They're not really Polkadot chains because they don't use the parachain modules that make them Polkadot chains. It's a little buzzwordy when I pack it all together. But um, basically, a, a substrate chain is a, uh, a modular design invented by Parity that is used for Polkadot ecosystem. Okay, that was that's around what I thought, but that was a great clarification. And uh, Octopus Network specifically, do you guys just use the Substrate technology, or you're somehow like also more dependent on Polkadot system, or you just use the same tech? So that's that's a very good question. So we borrow a stable version, which means that we are not currently um, supporting XCMP, and we're not looking at doing that in the immediate future. Um, XCMP is the main interoperability protocol in Polkadot, which just got some cool upgrades recently. Um, basically, we're, we're borrowing what we think is the best component of tech stacks from different places. Uh, NEAR is the smart contract execution for a modular L1. Um, Substrate is the independent chain with like flexibility to make so many different things. IBC is the connectivity layer to be able to authenticate with other chains and communicate uh, some application data and fungible tokens. And then bridging back to Ethereum through the Rainbow Bridge and some other stuff that we're working on, um, that's the sort of like trace back to, you know, the original TVL on smart contracts, if you will. Ethereum does have some, uh, you know, staying power, et cetera. So we are just combining lots of different tech stack components. It gets confusing really fast. It's not just you. I mean, no, honestly, that's all very interesting. I'm actually enjoying this a lot because uh, that's been kind of like an area I always wanted to learn more. But it is a hard interview for me, you know. I have to really think all these questions through and listen very carefully to understand where we're even going. Um, so, would you say that uh, you know Octopus Network is kind of this gateway from near that, like through Octopus Network, you can be then connected to like Polkadot or to IBC ecosystem? Yes, that's that's definitely our mission. Like our our doubling down in those technologies alongside near is basically saying, hey, we, we see the value in these other ecosystems, but we want them to be able to take advantage of the efficiency and the value of NIR without capitalizing on it in an unreasonable way. So um, the, the, the model of starting in NIR ecosystem and then eventually punting to Polkadot and Cosmos, that may change in the near future with different relationships from Composable, Axelar, and other people who are working on like sort of you know, uniting these ecosystems. But we're specifically working on uniting these ecosystems under data standards and technologies that they all kind of want to play nice with. So um, it's, it's not that we are doing something special or different. We're just trying to take advantage of the excellent value of NIR in order to deliver a better solution for basically startup organizations. You know, if you, if you come to Polkadot today and you have a billion dollars, congratulations, you can take over the world. That's true in basically every industry with a billion dollars, right? If the opposite is the case and you're saying, hey, I want to be a unicorn or I have this great idea and I want to work on it, you know, that's a really different posture in crypto. You usually start with productizing things, DEX, you know, investor outreach, like 
that is a really important part of projects today that we feel is kind of drawing a line between what can happen and what's being funded. So while we can't just go around being an investor, we can work on a tech stack that makes more sense so that they can punt to these other ecosystems. So let me explain that in detail and then we'll, we'll transition on. Um, in launching a substrate chain with us, because that is a Polkadot compatible chain, it is really easy to leave our ecosystem and join Polkadot. I've been waiting for this to happen. It's not going to happen in the immediate future because it'll take some time for a product to mature and do this. But we are effectively the place for startups where Polkadot is the place for you know, full-fledged product suites. So in that sense, you can leave Octopus Network, get a capital benefit, and then join Polkadot. And we don't just support that, we encourage it. So if anyone's interested in using us as a sort of Polkadot pre-launch pad, I have extended that invitation to a handful of projects. Um, on the IBC side, they, they definitely do get that capability to jump in and you know, use that technology, but it's not quite the same integration level as Cosmos SDK. So chains can't transition to Cosmos ecosystem, but they could feasibly become their own independent substrate chain and then maintain IBC relationships for you know, application data and fungible token transfers. So that wouldn't have them joining the hub because we don't necessarily support that yet. But effectively, if you start in Octopus, you can be a part of either of those two ecosystems, either with or without leaving the ecosystem on the near side. This is great. And you actually answered my follow-up question in the last 10 seconds. So even if you uh, decide to kind of like grow out of this Octopus network and go into like Polkadot or something like that, uh, you still are kind of like able to maintain that exposure to near, right? Absolutely. And if I go deep on the, the staking stuff and how our economics work, we are not designed for projects to live here for, you know, 10 years. You know, if you create a tokenomic that says that you're going to gradually or logarithmically reduce the amount that you're paying the community and, and that's going to sort of like extend your time horizon, okay. But we do expect that basically every app chain who launches with us either goes through a maturation period and possibly a second token generation event, or they leave the ecosystem because they've matured. It, it is our goal to support them through that maturity. It's kind of like uh, explaining how a venture studio with a tech stack isn't a venture studio anymore. So our purpose isn't to invest. Our purpose is to help them get the job done. So would you call yourself like an incubator in, in some sense? You know, it's funny you say that because we used some of that wording earlier this year and it it was a little confusing because incubators accept equity and they accept payments and sometimes they have like, you know, partnership requirements and all this stuff. We don't do that. So we've, we've been using the word accelerator to be more like transparent and honest about it. Incubator is more the feeling of like, Hey, we're giving you one-on-one -on -one assistance, but also if, if projects offer us equity today, we refuse it. You know, we, we need to remain fair to chains. Nobody is supposed to be paying us for this work. We're doing this because it's worth doing. It creates a strong supply demand market that benefits everybody. So um, in the sense of uh, staking economics, that's a, a fun way to sort of like go into it, in my opinion. Um, but uh, I get distracted when I, I start about uh, Octopus Network tokenomics because they are, uh, I don't want to say complicated, but the understanding is that you're supplying capital, that first layer of security that I mentioned, you're supplying capital in OCT tokens to those substrate validators who are custodying their OCT tokens in near contracts that we help maintain. So it is a really different um, hands-on level of service where we are focused on the technology side, but we are willing to help you reach out to venture as well. So it's, it's kind of a funny balance because we're not an investing organization, but also we have a vested interest in, in helping make cool concepts you know, become reality.
but I mean more like in a general sense. When I meant incubator, I just meant like you uh, kind of take on uh, early project startups and you help them grow, right? Absolutely, yes. We we have this posture that we um, sort of um, we we want people to agree to join as app chain candidates, i.e., to start doing the work with the substrate chain, and then to um, you know sort of officially make their interest public. Um, there's a handful of projects who haven't made their interest public yet, but they're still pretty dedicated to working with us, whether they're in stealth or otherwise. So it is a, an interesting balance to say that we're helping startups, but also we have a sort of like, um, I, I don't want to say a maturity requirement, but you have to be, in my opinion, 30% of the way towards your proof of concept or your MVP to get into that relationship with us. If you talk to us before that point, we'll still give you help and support. We just won't give you public marketing support. We'll just be talking privately and answering technical questions about implementing the, your design. So, yeah, we, we are really hands-on in a unique way. Well, that's really interesting. That's the side I didn't know about the Octopus Network. And uh, since we kind of already went in that direction, could you talk a little bit about, like, uh, what type of projects you onboard and uh, maybe some projects that you have already onboarded, some examples, just so we understand in general. Like, is it games? Is it DeFi? What are the projects that you mostly work with? So Vitalik talked about this in a couple of papers in the last few years, and we're just really in sync with him on this model that there's too much DeFi in crypto. There's too much, you know, money-making applications when we got into this to have things that use the money that we're making to do stuff. So... Right now, we're, we're not really allowing DeFi for the sense of security purposes. Um, we do still have DeFi tooling, so you'll notice that there is an exchange technology app chain that's Fuzotau. So the model that we uh, sort of use to explain that and, and how that makes sense for us is that we're focused on value propositions that are on-chain. So Fuzotau is designed for helping uh, smaller entities maintain a, um, a, a, a DEX or a centralized exchange. Um, that is their value proposition, and that is completely based in the nodes that they run. You know, uh, Myriad is one of the larger projects, so I'll give the hat off to them. Their purpose of joining was to run a substrate chain that supports a sort of social media suite, including a chat app, being able to stake tokens to have your sort of own version of social media, and integrations with Metaverse products. So it's not that we're like preferring games or preferring DeFi or preferring metaverse or anything. It's that we're really dedicated to models that have two characteristics. One, their main value proposition is actually on chain because they've written some interesting software that does something useful. And two, that the people who benefit from their project are not just them and are not a, a direct profit model of client. So someone who interacts with a product in our ecosystem is actually paying validators who are running the product. That is a requirement that is very different from the average DAP that you and I see in any ecosystem, because when you make a smart contract on Nier, you get 30% of those transaction fees. That makes sense. That's perfectly fine. But that's a really different posture from incentivizing validators to physically run infrastructure and then paying them as they process transactions. So it is a, a different model that we help people sort of coach through, but building your value proposition on chain and then being willing to have the, the community be the, the sort of, you know, entity that profits because they're providing you value. That's really the, the model that we take forward. Got it. Can you maybe go over, I don't know, like three most successful or your favorite projects that you guys have launched? Because, you know, it's always easier to understand on an example. Yeah, fair. Sure. So 
Um, I haven't mentioned Atocha yet. They were with us at Nearcon. Um, Atocha is a puzzle protocol. Basically, the creation of puzzles and the solving of puzzles is something that we need long-term in the computer science world, but people have to be incentivized to do that sort of work. So um, that's a substrate chain that integrates with Rweave, which is a sort of blockchain storage system. Um, it uses that to incentivize people to both create and solve puzzles in the hopes that it will work one day towards the complexity of, say, CAPTCHAs. You know, CAPTCHAs have a real security purpose to, you know, help separate computers from people. The same requirement is necessary in the long run as well. So um, that, that is one that I find really interesting. Uh, Myriad has the largest user base as a, as a social product. That makes sense. Um, Fuzatau got a lot of excitement because of their DeFi technology, which is basically just helping you run a DEX with the efficiency of a centralized exchange. I believe their, their phrase is um, on-chain execution of off-chain order books. So for people who are less technical, that's not very helpful. But, you know, imagine a system that helps you determine that this very small centralized exchange is inherently fair, you know, because other servers are helping keep that one validator accountable and would force it off the network if it acted out of turn. You know, that... That's a, a, a different value proposition model. I can, I can briefly touch on one other, I think. Um, uh, uh, Discoval is a curation DAO. So some people might ask, hey, with value propositions in DAOs today, how could that possibly fit into having its own chain? Well, do you need off-chain resources? And are, are you willing to incentivize people with your token to provide them? Sure. So Discoval, in a nutshell, is a curation DAO that has its own chain in order to make this sort of job and content market work seamlessly via their token. So there's, there's a couple of different organizations who are trying to do that in crypto that I've heard of, but uh, who's it? I'm sorry. Um, Discoval is the only one I've heard of that does that with its own chain. So that's a little bit of a different value proposition to say, hey, I'm not just a dApp. I have systems built into my chain that can, you know, talk to other chains that can help me sort of like balance decentralization and centralization. I think that's a, a really interesting reason to, you know, build your own product on your own chain. Got it. Thank you. That was a great, a lot of information. Um, so another thing I wanted to ask is like, what specifically, um, so you guys obviously are like supported by near foundation, right? And, uh, just to understand like kind of more your purpose, could you say like from the near foundation perspective, like why is it interesting for them to support a project that uh, may be on boards projects on like Polkadot and stuff like that? Or do they just see it as like an interoperability and like more connections, more users, stuff like that? Like what's your opinion on that? I apologize. It's raining here. I may need to drop and put my headset back on, but um, if you can hear me, okay, I'll continue. Um, yeah. Did you hear yeah, the question? Okay. Yes, yes. So um, the one of the, the main topics that we were discussing at NearCon, um, you know, just between the nerds uh, uh, recently, was that Near isn't just trying to be everybody's layer zero. Near is actively demonstrating that it is infrastructure that can support other infrastructure. It's still efficient enough to support other infrastructure. That is not a common conversation in crypto. You know, most people, when you're, you're looking at technologies like Polygon or you know, rollups, Arbitrum, et cetera, you know, optimistic. These, these different technologies, they don't have this same um, level of integratability or stackability or interoperability, whatever, you know, sort of interoperation words you want to use. Near has them in a unique manner. <coughs> so in my opinion, one of the reasons that Near agreed to ride with us on this journey 
is not because we're onboarding entities to other ecosystems. It's because these entities are basically going to incubate in near. They're going to grow up adjacent to near protocols ecosystem. And that's a really, really big benefit for them. It is also a synergistic benefit for near protocol, we believe. So in the context of Aurora as a, an alternate or a, or a competitor, you know, Aurora is an EVM. EVM is probably the most dominant smart contract platform out there. We expect that to have, you know, the most foot traffic. The Aurora contract is the most dominant contract on there, and that's totally understandable. But on the substrate side, the technology isn't as common or popular yet. So being early adopters and early builders gives us a chance to participate in some of that interoperability. One of the, the nerdier, more, I guess, security officer grade things we can talk about today is data standards. The ability to communicate between Polkadot, Cosmos, Near, it's, it's not really well understood today. So taking in data standards from other corners of different ecosystems and saying, hey, it's worth it for me to integrate what these guys are doing and then talk to them about it, about changes in the protocol or standard, that's a unique chance for Near to be involved, not just as everybody's layer zero or everybody's like below layer zero kind of supporting structure. It's that this... Um, efficiency that NIR provides can be useful in so many ways that it is only reasonable to connect to other ecosystems to sort of flush out that utility. I think Calimero is a, a really great way to explain this, and Calimero is tough to understand for people who aren't engineers, but Calimero is basically private NIR app chains on NIR. So, uh, you know, the, the app chains that are on Octopus Network, they're substrate-based, but you asked earlier about near validators. If you wanted an app chain, a dedicated chain that is only made of near validators, you get that from Calimero. So that's another example of like, hey, near took in an infrastructure product and said, yes, we will be your home because we want to help you build other things. And that draws the demand to be connecting to other ecosystems. It kind of is a, a, a wonderful cycle of encouraging the conversation to improve how data flows between different organizations you know, tech stacks, whatever, the easiest example of which is NFT bridging. Why is there so little NFT bridging today? Because there's not a lot of compatibility between Ethereum, Polkadot, Near, and Cosmos on NFTs. Are we working with the lowest common denominator stuff to try to develop NFT bridging? Yes, we have it on testnet right now. Is it ready to go? No. How are we trying to bridge that gap? We're working with RMRK's tool set and saying, hey, we do agree that this minimization, that this set of metadata, that this makes sense with the type of NFTs that we see most frequently in these ecosystems and saying, hey, this is reasonable to reuse. Is everyone going to adopt our mentality on this? We don't know. We're just leading the charge as best we can to say, hey, these chains that we are, you know, I'm doing air quotes, incubating, these chains that we're helping, they have a vested interest in being able to talk to other ecosystems. That's kind of why app chains fell down in the earlier Bitcoin days is because they didn't have easy opportunities to be flexible and connect with other systems. So I think I got a little out of the scope of your question, but um, in the sense of near supporting Octopus, and I would also argue Aurora and Calimero, we are infrastructure projects. So we don't just prove the value of near, we increase this gravity of a need to communicate with other ecosystems, not just establish data standards, but reinforce them and, and make them make more sense so that you can have cohesion between these different technologies. Now, this was actually a very great answer. You could, oh, Ajit, do you want to say something? Yeah, hey, Sheldon, so Composable Finance is proposing that trustless IBC bridge with Near. What are your thoughts, and how is that going to impact Octopus? Uh, can you guys hear Ajit? Yeah. Yes, I can hear. Yeah. 
he asked, uh, how is the new composable finance IBC proposal going to affect Octopus Network? And this is a very good question because if you watch me on Twitter, I'm a little rah-rah-rah about it. I'm excited. So in a nutshell, uh, we were looking at developing IBC for Near. It was on our roadmap earlier this year. It has been postponed. To see Soon and the guys from Composable working on that on GitHub is really awesome because that makes our lives easier. Having greater connectivity between Cosmos, Polkadot, and Near is a win for us. It doesn't, us. it doesn't make us less important. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I thought I was trampling you for a second. But yeah, um, it is absolutely a good thing. Um, I, I really like what the folks at Composable Finance are doing. And their sort of like value proposition is a great extra bit of air quotes gravity that makes it make sense for these different ecosystems to work on data standards together. I don't mean to just go back and answer your question with the previous answer that I gave, but genuinely I am excited that this is coming to the ecosystem and that Ilya responded positively to their proposals. And now there's NEP changes going forward because of it. Like this makes our lives easier. That's the, the short answer that I have. So does that mean that any Octopus app or any near a project can inter indirectly interact with Cosmo or you can just use it like a rainbow bridge? How do you foresee it uh, working or what's going to be the final product? So I think in IBC, you have to see it kind of as a business relationship first because you have to decide how and why you're setting up a fungible token you know, connection or an application data connection before it's in use. So I think it's going to be more like business partnerships where people who have value propositions in Cosmos that have some like value to latch on to and near, they'll have a much easier time saying, okay, you need to go to this DEX and move to another wallet and blah, blah, blah. No, it, it makes more sense to just say, hey, here's wrapped uh, Octopus or hey, here's wrapped Fuzitao or, or whatever other token and use that inherently as part of their relationship on each chain. So where smart contract environments set up bridges very quickly that are not specific to them, the opposite is true in IBC. Those bridges specifically take longer because there is some uh, one-off conversations that have to happen before you set them up. I hope that answers your question because it, it is kind of like a, I could do an hour talk on this. I, I really do. Yes, I um, don't know if you guys can hear me, but yeah. I can't hear, hear anyone here. So oh, I can hear you, Max. Can, uh, can someone PM him? I can. I I think I if you guys hear me, then my message would be, I think we should go through with the AMA. I asked all the questions that I wanted. Uh, oh, yeah, I see <laughs> by emojis, you can probably hear me, right? I don't know, fuck the Twitter spaces. Uh, like, I literally, my internet is fine, but I cannot hear anybody of the speakers. So I think um, we went, like, with all the questions that I wanted to ask mostly. Wax, you mind uh, so if I... Uh... Instead of restarting the space, trying to get people back together, we're just going to go to the AMA part. And uh, I'm going to give Octopus hey, Wax, Network co-host uh, Luana. I'm can you hear me? I'm going to invite you to co-host now. Yeah. And yeah. AGT, you too, just in case. Uh, so you guys can start to uh, bring people up and uh, have them ask questions. And, you know, we have 20 minutes. So, you know, just bring people up in whatever order you want uh, to have them awesome. ask questions. And I think we're going to be fine then. Let me just. Uh, I'm sorry, I couldn't participate to the full extent, but that was great. I'm I'm gonna hang in there so the space doesn't rock, and hope you have fun for the rest of the space. I just want a quick shout out. We have an active crossword puzzle going on. Uh, it, the theme is a myriad social. Uh, Sheldon and Luana were speaking about it. It's 15 near the prize, and you can get the hints by actually participating inside the app. Uh, I'll post a link now. 
Yeah, I actually, actually, AGT, I actually went into it. I'm trying to solve it. <laughs> but we're going to go through the questions. Um, so I'm going to uh, start with Rick. Rick, I'm giving you the microphone right now so you can ask your question. And Actually, sorry, can we pause for a second? The rain's getting a little harder here. I want to try to put on my headset. I got to drop and come back. Yeah, and be just no worries. No time. worries. Your co-host, so no we should worries. be good. Fingers crossed. Okay, everybody. So I'm the co-host in the walks near. Who will ever thought that? <laughs> okay, so we're gonna wait for um, Sheldon to log back, and I will actually I will send him an invite right now so he can come back. Let's see if I can do this. Okay. Let me see. Okay, I'm requesting him so he can come back and we can continue. Just let's hold on for a minute. If you need hints for the crossword puzzle, we'll start posting them tomorrow at the Shitsu Telegram. But for today, go in and uh, interact with the Mirit social. Oh, okay, okay. Yes, absolutely. I, I'm going to... I actually, this morning when you sent me that tweet, I was like, what is this? <laughs> I'm going to go through it. Um, okay, so Sheldon is back. Um, so, Rick, do you have your actual question? Rick, are you there? Hey, Rick, if you have a question for us, I'm, I'm here. We'll give you a good few seconds to jump I back to the mute he... button. I know how it goes. Yeah, so let's go Maybe for the second can. one until okay. he looks back. Okay, so hi, Bright. How are you? Let's connect with him and see. Okay, how are you? Right? Hey, Bright, can you unmute? Can you hear us? Hello, I'm audible. Yes, we can hear you. Yes, we can hear oh, you. Guys, I can hear you too now. Okay. Uh, oh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Here we go. My question is on um, the value of the um, OOCT token. I don't know. It's like somehow different from others. So I don't know. Is the OCT, is it normally not used during the um, protocol transactions? Because um, how then can we um, ascertain that the price will rise if it's not based on the demand of, of um, PTC use? That is a good and honest question. I appreciate it. If you want to read about the nitty-gritty down to the mechanics, uh, docs.oct.network will help you with this. That doesn't mean I'm not going to explain. So... Um, OCT as a token sets up a supply and demand market between speculators and the chains that need security. So all app chains use the token, which means the demand for it gradually will increase over time as long as we keep doing what we're doing. Like, we're, we're way too deep into this to give up. We're not going anywhere, and we plan our budgets very well to make sure that we'll survive the, the bear, no problem. So our model is basically saying... Because you're using OCT tokens for the operation and you know staking of each of these chains, 
it has to continue to increase more in production to be valuable in an overt sense, right? So Adam has a similar posture, Pogoda has a similar posture, but they both have inflation rates. We don't have an inflation rate. So when you compare Kusama to us, you get a better idea of what the economy will look like, except Kusama is designed to be a small ecosystem on purpose. It is for the bleeding edge, the most new and interesting substrate technologies out there. It's effectively designed to be kind of a, a different model where we are really, really stable. So coming back to the root of your question without all this coloring detail, the value of the OTT token is inherently designed to increase over time through a gradual supply demand squeeze, which comes from launching more app chains and existing app chains needing more security as they grow. So the model of security that you see that Polkadot calls NPOS or that is effectively a DPOS, delegated proof of stake in other environments, it's very similar to what we're doing, except we don't have an inflation rate. So where Polkadot and Atom are going to have to keep minting tokens to keep up with the minting of tokens inside their ecosystem, there are inflationary products inside Octopus Network, possibly. We haven't had one launch yet, but Octopus itself is not deflationary. It's just a static value of 100 million tokens. So we minted those tokens on Ethereum to make sure that no one would doubt what we're doing. The near protocol explorer is good, but it, you know there's still a few of those products and they're maturing. We wanted to be really transparent and say, hey, we're only ever going to make 100 million tokens. They have this purpose. You know, here we are locking them away for investors on investing that will continue until 2024. At that point in 2024, that's the next step in the sort of valuation phases of OCT. Because August 2024, all OCT becomes liquid. The unlocks will complete. This sounds funny when I'm talking about inflation because it's not an inflationary asset, but there are OCT locked up on Ethereum that are gradually being sold and released by investors, and in some cases being held and just being put back into the economy for their, their benefit, because they have a capital benefit from using the OCT instead of just selling it. So effectively to the average person, staking 200 OCT to get long-standing revenue for supporting an app chain, you know that's really the, the main point of value. You're supplying your capital as security to a chain, that process continuing will gradually increase the value through a simple supply-demand squeeze because we are not inflationary. I hope that answers your question. Yeah, yeah, that answers my question. Thank you for the well-detailed explanation. Yeah, thank you, Brad. That was a thank great you. question. And uh, I just want to kind of ask another question now in the same direction um, about tokenomics. Um, is there... Um, What's it called? Like, is there some kind of like competition mechanics since it's like a limited amount of tokens? And then is there this idea of like chains bidding against each other who will get the next Octopus Network uh, app chain for their dApp? Absolutely. And we were really excited about this during the bull market because we were hoping that that momentum would continue. We saw the writing on the wall, so we were moderately cautious with our budget and our spend. But... Um, what you're talking about is effectively that August 2024 day, uh, which I, I believe is just August 1st when the, the timeline ends. Um, at that point, when all OCT is liquid, app chains will have to compete with each other and with investors to, to command OCT. The idea at some point that most OCT would not be liquid and would be sort of in use as you know capital for chains, that's our, our dream in the long term because that ensures that we'll be able to you know, not just complete our mission, but build out institutions around the product that we're trying to abandon. In that, like, August 2024 model of when all the tokens will be out, 
we would like to be 49% control or 49% contributors to the protocol at that time. The only way we get there is by making it valuable and worthwhile for partners. So that's, that's the model that we're going about is that if you're providing capital or you're actually doing work in the ecosystem, in both senses, you're, you're gaining either direct revenue through staking or functionality through you know, running an action. So that model of either being a developer and getting some tech tech benefit or being an investor and getting some capital benefit, we think that's a really strong feature for the token. Hi, thank you. And uh, guys, we're going to move on with the AMA now. I just want to ask, I have like two more questions that I wanted to know before I got rugged. But once I ask them, then we're going to move on to AMA. And remember everyone that uh, we have a giveaway going on. So you see the pin tweet in the space. Uh, and AGT, I'm sorry, I deleted your pin tweet just so it's easy for everybody to see like which one I'm talking about and people don't get confused. Uh, so please retweet it. Uh, then come up, ask a question and one person is going to win five near. Uh, okay, so the two questions I had... One was, um, can you guys talk about like what is the Octopus Network profit model? You said you know, like you know, you're balancing the books, you're making sure you're surviving long term. Like, how exactly are you guys generating like I don't know, cash flow, revenue, whatever it is? How does the whole system operate? So <clears throat> we don't have a profit model. Is the short answer. The longer answer is more detailed about how we want to have jobs through Octopus Network and increase the value of this product such that it's, it's worthwhile to keep interacting with it and keep building new integrations. But the, the truth of the matter is that we get some revenue from the many contracts that we control on NIR. That value is enough to offset our costs for operating on NIR, but it doesn't um, balance out and totally cover everything. So when you look at our backers, when you look at our website, you'll notice that we have a lot of investors and we don't have more than 10 million in investment. I think our grand total is, is about nine. So that is significantly different from most projects who launch with the purpose of creating profits for themselves. Our purpose in launching is specifically creating profits for operators and participants. So our, our investors who have you know, decided that they're not interested in a long-term vision, most of them have already sold their OCT and we're okay with that. But the investors who want to ride with us in the long term, they know that their OCT isn't just useful. It goes along with our longer motivations to sort of get the vision and get the you know worthwhile jobs in crypto in the future instead of getting the bag. So it's not that we don't care at all about money. It's that we took in a unique business model so that we could help people who didn't have the money to pay us for our help. And in that way, we could benefit all of crypto, not just these three or four ecosystems we were focused on. Got it. So basically, you're mostly... Uh, just uh, able to operate off of the investments that you have to like build that product, right? And uh... yes, yes, and I have to stress that because our value proposition is so good for different interactions across different chains, it's it's well worth it. You know, the, the value proposition will take some time to mature in a larger way, but in this small way, it still serves a really unique need. I see. So, like, uh, besides basically. You know, some like small amount of money that comes from the trans uh, the smart contract transaction fees. Uh, you don't really make money, but the idea is like so many kind of big institutions are interested in what you're building that they're willing to kind of like sponsor you and keep you going. Right, and those people who would either sponsor us or participate by actually running validators on app chains, they would make money. So the model that the community makes money instead of the root developer being the one who rakes in the cash, that is effectively part of projects in our ecosystem. It's, it's part of our value model. So 
that is a little bit different. You know, most projects do want to get the bag, and we respect that. But it's different from getting the vision, where you're trying to really build something great that takes a long time and, and needs help. Now, I mean, the reason why I'm asking this question is not really about, like, how you're going to make a bag, but it's more from the perspective of, like, how are you going to be, like, sustainable, you know, and how are you able to operate for a long, long, long amount of time if you don't really have, like, some type of money generation thing in place. But uh, I understand that's, uh, that makes sense. And, uh, okay, so the last question I want to ask, and then we're going to move on to AMA, because uh, I feel like I need the answer to this question to kind of get the full picture of what Octopus DAO really is. And the question is, basically, like, why would a, so why would a project want to get an app chain instead of just building on near, like, as a normal DAP? What's really, like, the key benefits for a developer team to decide, like, yeah, we want to go on Octopus chain, we want to have our own DAP chain versus, like, just building on near and, uh, you know, all that stuff. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a question I get a lot, and it's a totally reasonable question. And you'll notice we specifically don't poach near protocol projects, so that's like not the mission, right? So why you would want to have an app chain in general, not so much, oh wow, uh, sorry about that. Um, why you would want to have an app chain in general and not so specifically an Octopus Network app chain is to have your own governance, your own control of gas, and your own ability to integrate with other systems, whether that's an off-chain storage or another uh, ecosystem you know, those are things that are much, much easily, more easily done when you control the, the bottom of the tech stack. You know, when you work inside Rust on Near, can you communicate with other chains? Yes, we've proven that. That's part of our value prop. But also, it's much harder to do because there aren't a bunch of people who have already done it, leaving behind templates for you on, oh, hey, this plugs in with this. So the model of ab chains in general is to focus on a single product and then grow that product in relation to other systems that it can talk to or on its own. The on-its-own model is really, 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 really hard. There's only a handful of products out there that are doing it, and they're gradually thinking about how they can aggregate liquidity or, or take in tokens or activity from other places. So in doing an app chain with us, you get that special relationship with Nier that makes Nier important to you. Does that mean that you should start a project on Nier and then come here? No, not necessarily. But starting a DAO on Nier and then using that as the reason you want to you know, build a product or do something and then deciding, okay, Near is great, we want to do something on Near, but also we want these other off-chain services that we have to prove are fair. That's much, much more easily done on Substrate than it is done on Near. So it's not that we think that Near can replace certain use cases. It's that there's very specific niches and use cases where templated stuff from multiple ecosystems is an easier fit, even though it takes more work, than really great efficient technology inside one ecosystem. So that's, that's not everybody's cup of tea, but that's why I spend so much time talking to different projects because if they want to, you know, utilize what we offer, we're so happy for that. If their mission and vision and, you know, ideals are different, then, hey, we're not here to push them in. And part of that is because so much goes into, you know, building a validator set, maintaining relationships with investors while you're in production. You know, it's, it really is a different um, responsibility level to be in production when you have your own blockchain versus being on a smart contract. So I'll just, I'll finish my answer to this question because I'm getting a little uh, uh, rambly. When you're on a layer one, even one as efficient as near, you are paying a nameless, faceless group of operators to process your transactions. And that's a good thing. But if you want some more specialty execution, some more unique things done, it can make sense to have your own systems, but you need to be able to talk to other systems. This is part of the beauty of Calimero, part of the beauty of Aurora, 
is that they take advantage of the value of Nier without drawing people completely away from it. Like, yes, you step into EVM, you use your MetaMask, blah, blah, blah. You know, when you step onto Aurora, you're not really leaving Nier. You're just stepping into the EVM environment on top of Nier. We see a similar engagement where Substrate can't truly exist on top of uh, Nier Protocol in a productive way, but it can exist on the side. So this, like, you know, integrative property is what I'm focused on, but I've gotten a little off track, so I'll stop here. <laughs> yeah, but that's a great answer. It makes a lot of sense, I think. Uh, even though a lot of people here are probably very bullish and near, including me, but we all understand, you know, that the future is not going to be just one chain and in some sort of form, it's still going to be like multi-chain. So I can definitely see how it's important, you know, for different protocols to talk to each other. And I can kind of see where your protocol fits in this whole multi-chain future especially i like it that's like it's all based on near but you know still multi-chain getting other chains and like interoperab inter or interoperability working together and all that stuff uh so yeah we're gonna move to an ama now i guess i've taken already too much of our listeners time anyway uh everybody retweet the pin tweet let's go let me see actually i'm gonna look at the screenshots and i'll bring up like whoever was in the very beginning uh requesting Okay, Greg so was first. Let's so get, I'm going to uh, get like a couple people on here. Just mm -hmm. keep your microphones on mute for now before you're asked to uh, speak. Then I can't believe some people requested in the very beginning and didn't make it till the end. That's disappointing. Okay, so uh, let's go for now with what we have. Okay. So, uh, Shane... Yeah, man. You can go ahead and ask your question. Okay. My question is, oh, have Otopos done any audit? So... Yes, what? yes, good question. We have multiple. So, um, one of the most prominent um, sort of researchers, teachers, um, auditors in the industry is Halborn, in my opinion. They help work with SANS, S-A-N-S. Um, they, they teach a lot of blockchain courses and security courses that um, high-level professionals use. They cost thousands of dollars. They, they really are um, valuable. So Halborn is a auditor that I'm particularly proud of. Uh, I'm a fan, personally. But um, they did a lot of interesting work on our most critical smart contracts, namely the anchor and registry contract. So those are two contracts that help facilitate uh, different components of what happens in Holy shit, I am so sorry about the thunderstorm, you guys. <laughs> Oh my um, God. Miami for you. That's that's Miami for you. So, yeah, <laughs> I'll be okay. Thank you, thank you. So um, there, that's my that's my sort of favorite auditor. But it's important to note we also have an ongoing engagement with ImmuneFi. So if anybody was today to discover a vulnerability in Octopus Network smart contracts, even though they've been audited, um, they would have a chance to be rewarded for fifty thousand dollars if they submit that to us with an uh, an out of production proof. So if you show, hey, here's the problem, here's how it breaks, you guys need to fix this, then immediately we reward, and we are not the ones who control that. A third party, ImmuneFi, who decides whether it's you know appropriate or fair or not, they assign that. So that's, that's two pretty prominent security organizations that we work with. We've also gotten a audit from SlowMist. I believe they audited the um, Ethereum contracts that today hold the majority of uh, sort of early investors' oct. You know, the vested awk that I was talking about earlier that's going to unlock over the next couple of years, um, that that has contracts helping make that possible on Ethereum. Those needed to be audited to make sure they couldn't be exploited. If you look at those audits, you'll see that pretty reasonably, one of them is supervised, one type, 
and the other type is unsupervised. The supervised type is necessary for employees like Luana and I. If we leave the organization, then our OCT you know, holdings that we are given as part of our pay, it shouldn't be given to us anymore because we're employees. If we stop working for the organization, why should we be paid? You know, so there is some reasonable, you know, things when you look at the security audits that we've completed that say centralization risk, and that's fair, but that's part of our value proposition is that we're stepping in to make sure that things are safe and appropriate. I think there's one other auditor that I'm forgetting, and I, I feel terribly guilty, but I'm, I'm thinking there's either one or two other auditors that I'm forgetting, but we just redid our website, and, and I'm, as a security engineer, wanting to present this stuff better. So thank you for bringing it up. I, it's a good reminder for me to make sure that's shown, um, you know, in big logos on the website. Thank you, Shay. Thank you. Thank you very much. I love to you answer my question. Yeah, thank you, Shay, for your question. Uh, so we've been live for an hour, but uh, do you want to go for like I don't know five ten minutes more and get through people who I already brought up at least, or do you have to rush someone? Now let's stick around. Let's stick around. All right. So let's go ahead, Naomi. Can you unmute yourself and go ahead and ask a question? Yeah, I can unmute myself. <laughs> um, so I was just wondering, so how would you compare Octopus to a modular blockchain like Celestia? Like what's the difference? So I was looking at Solyndra the other day. I haven't looked at Celestia in a while. Um, I had a, a, a little panel thing with Cube Network the other day. Um, when you talk about modular structures, I think you have to ask the difference between like sort of modularity and fair economics. You know, Celestia, Polkadot, Octopus, they're, they're interesting contrasts. But when I think about how their economics are like structured out, I, I think about the commonality and the need for what's called proof of authority chains in the Sunstrate ecosystem. So one of the, the names that I dropped earlier is Threefold. And Threefold has a great concept to um, help people lease out their... Um, compute power, sorry about that. There's some, uh, you know, nearby events going on at the moment. The um, compute power from different people can be leased through some of their subchains, but their proof of authority chain has to sit on top as kind of a beacon chain for these other structures. That's most commonly what I see. Celestia has done a decent job of mitigating that, but I'll be honest that I haven't paid enough attention to them recently, and you gave me the head check, so I am definitely going to go do my homework because I have not spent a lot of time looking at them for what, more than a year now? I've just, I've been distracted, but yeah, that's that's a fair one to, to think about. I, I'm sorry I don't have a better answer for you about Celestia. Oh no, that's great. I can look into it as well. Thank you. Thank you, Naomi. Oh, by the way, guys, um, I don't know, it's not public yet, but we actually uh, start uh, doing like a Medium blog for Near Chill and Chill. So every space that we've hosted and every space that we're hosting going forward is going to be, you know, put in a written form. So, and there's going to be like a medium. So people can go, you know, if you miss the space, you can still go and like read kind of like a short summary and explanation. And uh, Naomi, who just asked a question, is actually all our writer. I think she already finished the first like three spaces. So we're going to start publishing them pretty soon. Uh, so, yeah. Awesome. That's really great to hear. I'm just, I, I'm sorry to step on you. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, 100%. Thank you for contributing, Naomi. I'll make sure to share, like, once the this space is also ready, I'll make sure to share it with you so you can share with your community and everything. So, all right, let's keep going with the AMA. Next up, let's bring uh, NFT collector Yusuf IB. Hello, good day, everyone. Hello. 
question. Uh, I understand that uh, Octopus Network uh, is a near-based multi-chain integral crypto network for launching and running Web3 net uh, substrate based. So as a de uh, developer, I want to like ask uh, what are the requirements needed to launch like my app on your platform? That's a fair question. So you're probably going to start with designing some functions in Rust, and you'll end up containerizing them, completing a nice cargo package with a couple of different extra components, and turning that into a substrate node. So I, I have a um, sort of enablement package. If you want to DM me, I'll, I'll happily give it to you. I've posted it publicly a couple of times. I'll repost it after this. But um, we do supply a template, whether you're containerizing Solidity because your logic is already in you know, uh, EVM, that's fine or you're just writing Rust contracts, or, or sorry, not contracts, but if you're writing Rust functions, which are much more efficient, then um, you would start at that lower level, working on the product independently. And then when you feel like, okay, I've made uh, enough of a step forward that this can uh, follow through and operate successfully. Not that everything will you know, work correctly, but that you can, let's say, launch the Solidity contract if that's what you were working in before, or that you can um, you know, compile the, the functions that you're working on in Rust. If you get to that point, then you start working inside the template that we provide. Um, the next step after that is that you run your own uh, DevNet. So you, you basically do need to start a testnet by yourself. But once you confirm that that's feasible, we're ready to take your application for testnet. And that's the prerequisite that we have before you get into the regular process. The regular process of submitting uh, on, on mainnet is the same as testnet, but we do ask that all products show that they can get online. It should get that they can get up on testnet before we take you into the, the mainnet application. It's not that there's anything wrong or special that needs to happen. It's that we're doing audits for each project that launches with us. So you launching on testnet first gives you time to sit with us, talk to us, you know, make sure that you have things ironed out before you submit for audit and mainnet launch. So I'm very happy to help you if you have some interest in, in using our tech stack. But the short answer is either you already have something pre-built that you may want to utilize in a substrate uh, template, which we provide, or you can start from scratch, and we're happy to give you lots of tools to do that. Okay, okay, that's great. Um, you know, there are so many platforms that are not available in my country, which is Nigeria, because our government have banned uh, cryptocurrency due to some reasons. So my question is, uh, can anyone use your platform services anywhere without any re uh, restrictions? Yes, um, that's that's true. If you're um, applying to the ecosystem today, we do not yet have a KYC requirement. We are considering one. But even if so, that doesn't mean that we would say, oh, your nation isn't okay with this. We're not going to, you know, like, that's not how we work. The purpose of KYC is just for, you know, our liability sake for protecting the community if we decide to enact that, which we are discussing. But in the, the short answer, like, I sympathize with you about Nigeria. I, I know a little bit about the corruption there. It's It's pretty bad. So um, just know that we would be very happy to have your submission. And on the one hand, legal compliance is your responsibility. On the other hand, we want to help you make that possible, but we are not going to, uh, you know, enforce laws against you. All right. Hopefully that answered your question. Uh, yeah. Thank you for asking it. That was a great question. Uh, we're going to move on to the next person. 
Um, actually, I wanted to ask, uh, did uh, Rick get to ask his question? I saw he was bringing him up in the beginning. and then something No, happened. no, he, he didn't actually. Yeah. All right, let's bring him up again because I know he's been here since like literally even before yeah. you joined. He already requested. I don't want to be unfair. Okay, uh, Rick, are you here with us? Hello? I can't see him on stage. Maybe it's me. Oh, there he is. Yeah, we can hear you, bro. What's up? Yes, hello. Good question. Okay, I'm um, sorry about... Uh, I had a little bit of network uh, flopping um, when I spoke previously. Okay. Um, my question is, um, I want to know um, what are the benefits you actually get from actually working with the near ecosystem? That's an interesting question, and I love answering it because I am kind of a diehard for Nier. I, I was really interested in it before, but now I'm just full set. I can't help myself. So um, there's a couple of different unique properties on Nier that make it really valuable and worthwhile as a technology product adjacent to these app chains that we're helping people launch, not just because we built our product with it, but as an ecosystem, Nier has a lot of really interesting value to provide. Um, the first thing I would point out is that the NFT structure on Near has two really critical benefits that I don't see in other places. One, there is subsidized IPFS, which means when you upload your um, your, your NFTs, uh, sorry, also to Arweave, if you're uploading to um, Paris, I believe it's IPFS. If you're uploading to Mintbase, I believe it's Arweave, but you get really easy access to better than average quality storage for your media when you're producing an NFT and royalties are built in at the base layer. On Ethereum, when you move outside the boundary of a certain marketplace, the royalties no longer function because they're based on that marketplace, that smart contract. So that's just that by itself, I think, is a really interesting you know, first moment because people are about NFTs these days. But also the account and contract model on Nier is, is really different from most chains because Nier is really different from most chains. The idea that you can have sub-accounts, which means you can be you know, octopus.sheldon.near and not just sheldon.near. The idea that you can uh, have an independent private key for each application that you talk to. You know, the idea that you can um, have a human readable name that can be queried to make sure that you don't send transactions to the wrong place or to nowhere. Like there's a bunch of really interesting points of value that users really feel and see imminently from being in near protocol those are some of the first that i would talk about or, or think about i'm also you know super nerdy and really focused on sharding and scalability and a bunch of other like you know under the hood components of near but if you're not looking at doom slug and all this more advanced like bft allowance kind of stuff then i think the um the value proposition of near is not just these infrastructure products being built with it or the efficiency it's the cohesion between a developer experience and a user experience that not just Near Foundation, but the whole ecosystem really understands that in order to continue crypto adoption the way that we're all trying to do, things genuinely have to get better. You know, IPFS is great, but slow loading images, they're not cool. You know, so balancing these challenges, I think Near does them better really than any other ecosystem, not just in addressing the blockchain trilemma, but in like providing a good experience for people who build on the platform and the people who use it. So I can I can show for a lot about Near because I'm I'm really into it, honestly. But like, let me let me pause there. OK, um, thanks very much for the answer. Thank you. OK, thank you, Rick. Thank you, Sheldon. Um, let's move to the next person. Actually, 
we have just two more people here. For the rest of you guys who already requested, you know, I'm always trying to go through as many people as we can, asking these projects to give us another 10-15 minutes. But of course, we can't bring everybody up. But we're going to have a space tomorrow at the same time with um, Popula, I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm not even sure what it is, but we'll figure it out tomorrow. So just come back at uh, 12 p.m. tomorrow, same time, and you'll be able to ask your question. So let's go to Casteno Arts. Yo, yo, hello, guys. Hey, what's up? How are you guys doing? Good. How are you, man? Hello, hello. I'm good. I'm good. So um, my question about the um, Octopus Network is firstly about the um, IBC pilots. You actually said um, you actually plan on creating a platform whereby developers can get to um, actually create up their own um, like app chains and some other things that they get to launch on your platform. How do you actually plan on um, like screening these developers out? Because some developers actually like create some um, backdoors to like most projects out there and get to like rock pull them at the end of the day. So how do you actually plan on screening them? Whereby they don't actually get to like perform any um, like backdoor sheets at the end. Sure, that's a fair question. So every product that launches in Octopus Network gets an audit. It is um, usually a two-week process. We can hustle and do it in a week, but that's not good practice. We want to take our time and get a, more than two people's eyeballs on it, usually closer to five. So um, that's, the, that's the short answer, is that everything that gets launched in Octopus Network is audited by the Octopus Network core team. So that's the, the short answer. The long answer is that as you exist in production and change your product over time, we don't necessarily have control of that. We participate in those chains, but we can't control them. So if you start with a genuine product that passes audit and then you complete an upgrade and you don't redo your audit at some point, then, yeah, there is a gray area where chains can act maliciously. So it's not that we allow this. It's that to some degree we have to act as the, the reasonable middleman who says we need to provide safety and security for investors and operators, but also products who come online that genuinely try to do what they're doing and fail need to be allowed to lose. So to the best of our ability, we make sure this doesn't happen. We have a policy of 30 days to help products in distress, but products that intentionally, you know, take malicious actions against their community, we have the ability to mitigate what they're doing on the near side. So where we control near protocol smart contracts, if OCT is entangled into one of our partners and there's an issue with one of those, you know, partners, one of those entities that have launched an Octopus network, then we'll do everything we can to make sure that OCT isn't lost. And I've been specifically me in, in Discord and in Telegram helping with this. So I, I know to the best of my ability, we have not let any user lose OCT since we started what we're doing. And that's not by giving them new or minting new. It's by making sure that we set up reasonable safeguards to protect the protocol and protect investors and operators. Okay, okay. That's very good. So um, I also have something about the... Um, I checked your link tree out and I saw something about your accelerator whereby you're actually creating a program, a 50,000 USD program for um, developers who actually um, create, uh, like, there are actually some tasks there and there's a deadline there also. So um, can you actually, like, help me throw in this, um, like, this program that you're actually offering for developers and 
content creators and some other people like that. Sure, you're, you're welcome to join the accelerator, though. I, I want to be transparent that the policy changed fairly recently. It used to be that you could win Showcase Day and 50, get 50K with no strings attached. Now, because of the bear market, what we've stated is that you get 10K automatically, but the remaining 40K isn't granted unless you decide to launch your product with us. So, so yeah, okay. there's some catch, but it's, it's reasonably helpful. You know, if you want some interesting information from the accelerator, if you'd like some help or some guidance, we're still happy to provide that to you to the best of our ability. But the accelerator is designed a little bit more for app chains uh, this quarter than it was before. Okay, okay, thank you very much. That's what Okay, thank you for your question. And we're going to move on to the last question. Uh, blessing by. Can go ahead and mute yourself, ask your question. Hi, good evening, everyone. Thanks for having me. Okay. My question is, can you tell us some key features of your project that set it aside from others? Sure. I mean, we have this balance between being a sort of venture studio and a technology service provider in that we help people one-on-one -on -one develop a product, both with the tech stack we designed, and if they show us their, their, their product and what they're working on, we'll happily share their value proposition and what they're trying to achieve with investors in our community. So we don't have the capital and power to invest ourselves directly, but we can help others sort of find you and find you because they match up with your mission. So that's one component of it that I think is really easy to understand. In a much more um, obtuse and confusing way, Octopus is truly a, a unique technology product, not just because it's designed to help the little guy, but because it is specifically structured such that um, different technologies from different ecosystems aren't just utilized and valuable, they are utilized and valuable and they don't require that you specifically glue your hip to us. The idea that you come into a technology studio today and you use their patented stuff and then they invest in you and you have this like multi-year relationship where they're the organization that manages your venture capital relationships, like that's not productive in our opinion. It can be done. It's, it's worth doing in some cases, no problem. If you have a profit model that's very just linear and direct, hey, I'm sure that'll do the job. But in the context of developing community products or products that are incentivized by and supported by the community, and in the concept of developing um, you know, sort of on-chain value propositions, that is something that most products will not stick their neck out for because it's not easy. You know, I'm not saying it's easy to be a layer one and manage a grants program. It's certainly not. But it's also much, much harder to be that kind of organization when you're trying to support so many smaller projects. And most L1s go through this. So we expect to go through this over and over and over again. That's a different commitment than most projects are willing to give. So in conclusion, to kind of sum it all together, I'm looking at a different human approach that we give to projects who want to work with us. I'm looking at a different funding approach that we have to, than most projects. But also, I'm looking at unique technology that actually supports users to a benefit that they can immediately see. Not that has to wait for the merge and all of this, you know, SegWit is coming, Taproot is coming. It's like, hey, very immediately right now, your protocol is useful and worthwhile, and we want people to be able to take advantage of its benefits, but also to have the freedom and sovereignty to do really interesting things on their own in support of a community. Okay, thank you. That was a great answer, great question. <laughs> so... 
we've been already 20 minutes past the time. Thank you so much to Sheldon that you were able to give us your time like that. Uh, we're going to wrap it up now. Uh, tomorrow, 12 p.m., same time. I'm going to post a link later. We have another space. So everybody, you should come over there too. And um, we're going to pick uh, a winner for the five-near giveaway today. Let me just roll the number thing. Okay, so the five near go to NFT collector. That was actually a great question too, so well deserved. Um, yeah, what else? That's it, guys. Thank you, everybody, for coming. Thank you who asked questions. Thank you who listened. Thank you to the Octopus team. Thank you, Luana. And Thank uh, you. Thank you for having us. Thank, thank you, you for so having us. For thank you very much. Thank you, thank you. All right, and uh, yeah, guys, I'll see you all tomorrow at 12 p.m. I'm going to rug you now. Thank you. Bye. See you around here. Bye.